Chapter Six of On the Yukon Trail by Roy J. Snell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: The Battle Cry. Even hampered as he was by the chain attached to his collar, the faithful old watchdog was more than a match for his lighter opponent. Over and over they tumbled. Twice the chain, tangling about the wolf's legs, seemed about to make him prisoner. At last, with a savage onslaught, Major leaped clean at the enemy's throat. There followed a gurgling cough. For a second, the end seemed at hand. But the next instant, Major's teeth lost their grip. The wolf, feeling himself free, and having had quite enough, slunk away into the shadows. Might as well let him go, was the boy's mental comment. He's well licked. You'll not want to come back. Save my shots for those who mix in next. In this, perhaps, he made a mistake. Bleeding from many wounds, the wolf carried a rank scent of battle and blood back to his companions, a scent more maddening than was that of the frozen meat upon the sled. Hardly had he disappeared into the darkness than there rose from out of the darkness a war song such as Joe had never before given ear to, a song that made his blood run cold. "'Not a second to lose!' he exclaimed as he snapped the receiver over his head, threw on the switch, and pressed his lips to the transmitter. He was talking on two hundred. "'Hello! Hello! Curly! You hear? Wolves! Six miles from Indian Shack! Sled broken! Must fight for life! Got four shots! Bring rifles!' come quick eagerly he pressed the receivers to his ears wildly his heart beat it was a tense moment would curly be listening in on two hundred would the message carry would he respond after a moment had elapsed with the gleam of eyes coming ever closer he repeated his message again he pressed the receivers to his ears he won't hear he muttered, half in despair. Have to make a dash for it. Meat might save us, might satisfy them, but they're mad with the smell of fresh food. There, a voice boomed in his ear. It was Curly. Coming, he roared. Hold fast. Ah. Joe breathed as he snatched the receiver from his head and clutched at his rifle. That's better. Even as he said it, a flash from his electric torch caught a huge fellow, the leader of the pack, all but upon them. Like the other, he doubled up and leaped away, but this only made the boy understand that his position was still perilous. Curly had not told him how far he was away. "'Must be at least five miles,' he groaned. "'Take him a half hour. Major, old boy, you think we can hold him?' The answer from the dog was a low, rumbling growl. There was a deal of comfort to be obtained from that growl. Heretofore, Joe had thought of these sled dogs as mere beasts of burden. Thought of them as he might have thought of horses or mules on the flat, sleepy, safe prairies of the Mississippi Valley. Now he found himself regarding them as friends, as fellow warriors engaged in a common business, 
the business of protecting their lives against the onrush of the enemy. Some dogs you are, he murmured gratefully. You not only pull a fellow's load for him, but in time of danger you turn in and fight for him. He knew that if he came out of this combat alive, he would always cherish a feeling of loyal friendship for these five companions in combat. It was a tense moment. They were in a tight place. A chill raced up his spine, and his knees trembled as he caught the gleam of new pairs of eyes burning holes into the darkness. Others had heard the blood-curdling war song and had come to join in the battle. The flash of the torch held the beasts at bay for a time, but at last it only maddened them as they pressed closer in. Joe was in despair. Should he loose the dogs? He scarcely dared. They would rush out at those burning eyes and be destroyed. Then he would be alone. And yet, if worse came to worst, if the enemy rushed in, there would not be time to loose them and chained as they were, the dogs would fight at a disadvantage. In the meantime, Curly Carson was bounding over the trail. Now he had covered a mile. Now two. Now three. There were three miles more. Panting, perspiring, staggering forward, now tripping over a snow-covered bush, and now falling over a log, he struggled on. He, he can't make it. Joe all but sobbed as he counted the moments. Oh, here they come. There was time only to loose the chain of Major before three gray streaks leaped at them. Major met one and downed him. Ginger, the hound leader, chained as he was, grappled with a second. The third leaped at the boy's throat. Just in time he threw up the rifle barrel. Gripped in both his hands, it stopped the beast. Kicking out with his right foot, he sent him sprawling. The next instant the rifle cracked. One shot gone, but an enemy accounted for. A fourth wolf sprang upon the gentle, inoffensive sport and bore him into the snow. Leaping upon the sled, Joe stood ready to sell his life as dearly as he might. Catching the kai of Pete, the husky, he reached over and unsnapped his chain, to see him leap at the throat of the nearest enemy. "'They're coming! Coming!' Joe sang out. All fear had left him now. He was in the midst of a battle. That they would win this battle, he did not dream. Curly could never reach them in time. But, like Custer's men, they would die game. Sport was down. Major was strangling the life from a clawing wolf. Ginger was engaged in an unfinished battle. Two wolves leaped at their sled, one from either side. The rifle cracked. A wolf leaped high and fell. The second sprang. He was instantly met and borne to the snow by Bones, the second wheel horse. But now they came in a drove, five, six, seven gaunt gray beasts with chop-chopping jaws. With deliberate aim, the boy dropped the foremost, then the second. Then, calmly clubbing his rifle, he waited. The foremost wolf was not two yards from the sled, when Joe was startled to hear a rifle crack and see the wolf leap high in the air. He was astonished. 
Hurley could not possibly have reached his objective in this time. Who was this man, his deliverer? Leaning far forward, he tried to peer into the darkness as the rifle cracked again, and yet again. End of chapter 6 Recording by Tom Penn